the 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. Hey, warm hello. Welcome to LLB Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is always great to get on the guest that we'll be having today as it is going to be Scott Seidenberg. He does a great job with the Football Betting Show. He also does just a wide variety of radio out there across the country. You've heard him on ESPN Radio, more specifically the ESPN affiliate out there in New York. Going to be talking to him in the second segment about both of these series, whether or not the Dodgers are able to get back into their series, and just what has all been going right for the Tampa Bay Rays. So we're going to have that conversation in the second segment. In the final segment, going to give you guys a sign total on Game 4 of the ALCS, a possible closeout game, and then Game 3 of the NLCS. So we're going to have all that coming up for you. And first things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If there is something that you'd like me to answer, fire that into my Twitter timeline at Jaren's41. If you send these via direct message, letter ZM to me, me does not matter. We did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we did have a pair of interesting games out there in the championship series on both the National League and American League side. So let's take a look at both of those, try to get to know these teams a little bit better, and try to find some trends. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. For the first time this postseason, the Atlanta Braves bullpen looked a little bit mortal, but they were still able to overcome it and get the win over the LA Dodgers by kind of 8-7. Prior to Game 2 of the NLCS, the Atlanta Braves had won 23 and a third innings out of the bullpen and had given up one run. In this one, the bullpen gave up all seven runs, six of which were earned as Ian Anderson. He was able to go four scoreless innings, but the walks really caught up with him. He had five walks and he was pulled after 85 pitches. From there, you have Tyler Madzik giving the team two solid innings, but then Darren O'Day gave up two runs. A.J. Minter from there gave up a home run to Corey Seager, and Josh Shomlin wound up giving up three runs. We know that Josh Shomlin not necessarily doing the job as a starter, and now he's coming in as a reliever as well. That was a little bit of an issue. Mark Melanson gave up an under run, but he was able to get the save, and for the Dodgers, you also had a home run from Max Muncie in this one that was off of Tomlin in the ninth inning, as things got very interesting. The Atlanta Braves wind up going up in this one by kind of 7 to nothing going into the bottom of the seventh. Dodgers were able to get that Corey Seager home run. They were able to get an Ozzie Albies home run in the ninth inning that wound up being insurance for this team. His second of the series, Freddie Freeman, also got his second home run the series as he went up against Tony Gonsolin for that home run. For Gonsolin, he was called upon at the last minute because as you guys know that listened to this podcast yesterday, I was previewing Clayton Kershaw against Ian Anderson. Well, for Clayton Kershaw, he had back spasms. He is not able to pitch in this one. For game three, it is going to be Julio Arias who's going to be going for the Dodgers. Then from there, who in the world knows at this point? As for Gonsolin, he winds up giving up that home run to Freddie Freeman. Five runs in total, of which weren't over the course of four and a third innings. Keep in mind, he had an ERA that was sub two as a starter during the regular season and he had given up just one home run. So that was interesting. Pedro Baez came in. He wound up giving up a run and he did not make it out of the fifth inning. Dylan Floro, Jake McGee, and Joe Kelly were all able to do their role. They go a combined one and two-thirds innings of scoreless baseball. Alex Wood was able to give the team five outs. He gave up a run, and Adam Clareric also gave up a run. So the LA Dodgers now down two to zero in the series as they wind up leaving nine men on base, but they were able to get a little bit of something going towards the end of the game 
And a little bit of a side note, for as much as the Atlanta Braves scored, they did leave 10 men on base. And speaking of leaving 10 men on base, the Houston Astros do so for the third straight game. Actually, they stranded 11 on base in Game 2. In Game 3, they stranded 10. And in Game 1, they stranded 10 as they lose to the Tampa Bay Rays by a count of 5-2. to two. If you, much like me, had the over in this game, all you can do is toss up your hands and tip your eye to the Tampa Bay Rays defense because there were just a bunch of incredible plays in this one for the Houston Astros. Both of their runs came off of solo home runs. Jose Aldube, his second of the series that came off of Ryan Yarbrough, and then Michael Brantley also took Yarbrough deep as, by and large, he was able to do a solid job for the race. Five innings plus as he wound up giving up that home run to Michael Brantley in the sixth inning, but he does wind up being able to hold down the fourth, and then from there, this race bullpen just continues to get going. Diego Castillo got the save in the ninth inning. You had Aaron Loop and Ryan Thompson combined for the eighth inning. John Curtis with two S's at the end of Curtis. I always point that out. And Peter Fairbanks, they take care of the sixth and seventh innings. And for the Tampa Bay race, they did not come up with any home runs, but key stat of the game, they wind up going three of nine with runners in scoring position for the Houston Astros. That was one of eight. And for the Houston Astros, Jose Urtikiti wound up being hurt by Jose Altuve. Fielding error, I believe that's his third of the series. As for Urtikiti, he winds up going five innings. He gives up two runs, but only one of which was earned. Inoli Paredes, who was actually very good in that Oakland A series, well, he was the guy that really let the team down in this one. He winds up giving up three runs in a third of an inning as the Tampa Bay Rays got all of their runs in the sixth inning. I mean, it was really a little bit of a byproduct of that error. And then from there, the Houston Astros were able to get two strong innings out of Josh James, one from Blake Taylor, and then Brooks Raley was able to come in, and he was able to close out that sixth inning as well. But for the Houston Astros, they now find themselves down 3-0 to zero because they just can't get anything going at the plate right now. And that's something that I'm going to be talking to our good buddy Scott Seidenberg about. Is there going to be a little bit of regression when it comes to all the men that the Tampa Bay Rays are stranding on base? Are the Dodgers going to be able to claw their way back into their series? And we're going to be talking about both of these games are going to be coming up on Wednesday in general. That is coming up on the other side right here on the Baseball Bank Podcast. Myself, Greg Peters. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Bank Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our next guest. This man does a little bit of everything. Doing some sports talk radio shows, sing pretty much at a variety of different places at this point. He also does a pair of podcasts when it comes to college football and the NFL. He also posts his play of the day for the MLB on his Twitter handle, which is at Scott's on Air. As it is Scott Seidenberg joining me on the podcast. And Scott, always great to have you aboard. How are you? Good, Greg. What's going on? Well, what is going on is the fact that the L.A. Dodgers are looking to do what they've done so many times in recent years, and that is have a marvelous regular season, and then in the postseason, wind up not necessarily being able to get the job done. They're down 2-0 to the Atlanta Braves. As we know, Clayton Kershaw just before Game 2, he got scratched, so it's going to be Julio Urias who's going to be going for the Dodgers here in Game 3. He's going to be going up against Kyle Wright. Do you look at this as a good chance for the Dodgers to be able to get right in this series and be able to make it competitive once again? Because we saw the Dodgers be able to close out Game 2 very solidly, but it was very clear that they got down into too big of a hole to be able to come back. So they're going to get right against Kyle Wright. I see what you did there. I do think that there's an opportunity for the Dodgers just because I like the way that their offense responded in game two. If not for Nazi Albies home run in the top of the ninth inning, that's a tie game and they're going into extras. The Dodgers who were shut down, you know, essentially in game one, scoring just one run. And then it looked like they were going to get shut down once again in game two. They erupt for seven runs 
over the final, what, three innings of that game, seven, eight, and nine. So I like the way that their offense has responded, and I think they do carry that momentum, even though they say in baseball momentum is only as good as your next day's starting pitcher. I think that if you're Dave Roberts and you're talking to this team in the clubhouse after this loss, you're saying, hey, we fought back. We were down big, 7 nothing, and we fought back in the final three innings of this game. Let's continue that fight. Let's jump on this pitcher early, and I think the Dodgers do score runs, and they do come away with the victory on Wednesday. I do have to agree with you there. I think that this is going to be obviously a very fascinating game as well. And when you take a look at Kyle Wright, this is a fascinating guy. As through his first five starts of the year, he had an ERA that was north of eight. He was absolutely terrible. In his last four starts, though, he has been doing a significantly better job going six-plus innings in pretty much all of them. He's been able to do a much better job of limiting the walks as well. When he had that ERA that was right around eight, he was giving out over eight walks per nine innings. And I take a look at Kyle Wright, and I think that you have to evaluate him a little bit differently now than you did at the beginning of the year. But the question becomes, is the real Kyle Wright the guy that we've seen the last, I would say, month or so? Is the real Kyle Wright the guy that we saw earlier in the year? Or is it somewhere in between? Because whenever I look at this, I typically think it's somewhere in between. Yeah, and I think what you have to understand, too, is that when it comes to the postseason, and I know that he had you know six shutout innings against the Marlins, so he was really good in that divisional series, but the leash is so short in the postseason that if he gets into any trouble, the Braves are going to be looking to take him out of the game. And I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but should the Dodgers get to him early, They dip into that bullpen where the Braves used, I believe it was seven pitchers, one, two, three, four, five, six pitchers out of the bullpen in game two. So there really isn't anybody that the Dodgers haven't seen yet out of that Braves bullpen. So I think there's two different ways to approach this if you're the, if you're the Dodgers. Do you take pitches and try to work up the pitch count to try to get right out of the game by the time you hit the fourth or fifth inning? Or do you swing, be aggressive, and try and score some runs off of him early to knock him out of the game? I don't think Kyle Wright is going to pitch into the fifth inning in this game. I think the leash will be extremely short on him, and I think the Braves will look to get into that bullpen early. Yeah, I do agree with you. I do think that the Braves bullpen as well, though it did show some cracks in the lighter half of that game of game two, they certainly have been very solid. And how do you take a look at these bullpens? Because they were the top two out there in the National League. As we know, Kenley Jansen has certainly had his issues. So let's say the Dodgers are up like two runs going into the ninth inning. I think that that would be very intriguing. Meanwhile, with the Atlanta Braves, I mean, it's just been guy after guy after guy that's been able to come in. Really, aside from those couple innings in game two, they've been a rock all postseason long. I think that that's a very intriguing part of this matchup as well. Yeah, and if you look at the guys that gave up the runs, too, I mean, it was Darren O'Day who got tagged. A.J. Minter gave up the home run, so two of those runs got credited to O'Day, and then Tomlin. So it wasn't Martin. And it wasn't Melanson. That was the formula in game one, right? The Braves went straight to Martin and Melanson out of the bullpen after they got, you know, a really good effort by Max Fried. I guess Will Smith was in there as well. But Martin and Melanson did not give up runs in game one. They did not give up runs in game two. Three consecutive days. Are they willing to go to them? Melanson, you, you expect to be there. But this is the new dynamic of the, the postseason here in 2020, Greg, where you're playing every single day. There's no more off day between games two and three. So 
you almost have to manage your bullpen a little differently. And for the Dodgers as well, you know, the Dodgers didn't really dip. They dipped into their bullpen a little bit in game one. Game two, it wasn't like they threw, you know, a lot of their best arms, you know, if you want to say Wood and Kelly, but they barely pitched. I think Kelly threw four pitches. You expect him to be available for multiple innings. I just think this new format of the postseason adds such an interesting dynamic to the way that these managers have to handle their pens. I do agree with you, as we do have Scott Seidenberg joining me on the podcast and two bullpens that they were able to get a little bit of rest on Tuesday as well. That'd be the Rays and the Houston Astros. Both starters went five plus innings, so that was very good for them. And what we've really been noticing in this series is that the Houston Astros just aren't able to generate runs whatsoever. I mean, in those first two games, they kept being able to get men on base. They kept getting hits, drawing walks. They left a combined 21 men on base in those first two games. Meanwhile, for the Tampa Bay Rays, they certainly had a slog in game three of trying to drive men in as well. What do you attribute this to? Because I think that it is fascinating that you've got the Astros who struck out the least at the plate during the regular season going up against the team that struck out the most in the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays had over 10 strikeouts from their lineup per game on average and it's just one of these things in which it feels like these teams are doing a good job of being able to get some good wood on the ball but every single time they make contact there's someone just in the right position to catch it. So let's just look at the difference between where both of these teams came from in terms of their divisional series to where they are now in this championship series. The Astros and A's slugfest, right? 10-5, 9-7, 11-6. The Rays with the Yankees, 9-3, 7-5, 8-4. It wasn't until the last game that it was a 2-1 low-scoring game. And then here we are, and these games are going under. You know, the first two games, and they're under, under. They just don't want to score. And how could you look now at the next game and think that it's going to be any different with the way that the pitching lines up? It's class now and Granky with another under projected. It's like the bats are dead. Maybe there's fatigue coming into play, but I don't know what it is. Maybe because the Dodgers and Braves are, are more prone because they had short series and the Rays and Astros had to play more games. I don't know what it is, but there's just no runs being produced at Petco Park, which is not that difficult of a hitter's ballpark. I can understand maybe if the shadows come into play, if the game starts at a certain time. But I just think that you have to ride the trends here and go with another under projected for game four. But what I think is really intriguing about the starting pitching matchup is we're going to have Tyler Glasso going for the Tampa Bay Rays and Zach Greinke going for the Houston Astros is that Greinke has not been Greinke this year. That is for sure. He has, in eight out of his last nine starts, given up at least three runs. Now, not a ton of them have been home runs, but he just gives up a bunch of contact in general. With the Tampa Bay Rays, this is a team that they've really made their bones on being able to do a good job with their matchups, being able to find guys on the scrap heap that are just able to come in, give you professional at-bats. I think that that's what's also very intriguing with this series. And you take a look at this Houston Astros bullpen in general. They were right around 14th or 15th in the league when it came to ERA. You've got a bunch of guys like Andre Scrub that have low ERAs, but you'd expect a lot of regression to come in because with Scrub himself, he's given up like seven and a half walks per nine innings. 
and yet he has an ERA that is sub two, which is something that is just completely unsustainable. It's hard not to like this Rays team and root for them, just like you mentioned, with the way they put this roster together. Kevin Cash is just a tremendous manager. You got guys like Randy Orozarena, who comes out of nowhere. The guy's fantastic, and you can't get him out. And then Kevin Kiermeyer, who's been there forever. Brandon Lau, you know, slumping hardcore, but he was their biggest producer during the season. So he comes around, and you expect the team to ride him. Everything that you said about Astros pitching is true. Everything that you said about Rays hitting is true. I like the Rays before this series. I like the Rays in every single game of this series. And that's not just the hatred of the Houston Astros. I just think this Tampa Bay Rays team is a fun team to root for. And that's coming from a Yankee fan who watched them beat my team. But I think that this Rays team has everything that you want to see out of a successful baseball organization. I just think that the values on them in every single game moving forward, even if the pitching advantage slightly would go to Houston with Granky, but you mentioned it. Granky hasn't been Granky, and I would rather have Glass now at this point. Oh, absolutely, especially with Glass now. 14.3 strikeouts per nine innings during the regular season. I mean, if that would be for a 162-game season, that would have set a record, as we do have Scott Seidenberg joining me on the podcast. And with the Rays, as we're doing it right now, Game 2 has yet to finish up. We're doing it as it's like in the 6th, 7th inning. So really the only book that has this up is Bet Online. Rays are minus 133 right now. I don't know about you, but that seems suspiciously low for how good Glass now has been. I mentioned the struggles of Zach Greinke. I really feel like it's a name and the name alone as to why you're getting so much value on the Tampa Bay Rays because if you replace the name Tampa Bay Rays with a blue blood organization, say the Yankees, say the Red Sox, even to a lesser extent, the San Francisco Giants. In my opinion, you'd be seeing this line at minimum minus 145, minus 150. Yeah, I agree. There's only one way to play this game, and that's the Tampa Bay Rays. And I felt this way in every game. I felt it with Blake Snell. I felt it with Charlie Morton. Game three, it was kind of like a toss-up, but you ride the hot hand, even though, you know, Urquidy had a better numbers than Yarborough. You kind of ride the hot hand in the Rays. I go with Tyler Glass now over Zach Greinke. I just think that the way to play this series is Rays in every single game. Yep, I do think that going forward, it's really going to be the Rays to lose out there in the AL Championship Series. And Scott, when you take a look at the NL Championship Series, obviously Dodgers are down 2-0, to zero, but we know what they did in the regular season. Do you think that they're going to be able to get back into it and set up what we've all been anticipating the last couple of days, and that would be a Rays versus a LA Dodgers World Series? Or do you think that the Atlanta Braves have a chance to be able to close it out? Because my big concern with the Braves were these games, Game 3, Game 4, Game 5, because we know that Max Fried, Ian Anderson, two good starters, and then you got Kyle Wright, who's been a little bit more solid. But then from there, I have absolutely no idea who's going to be starting for the Atlanta Braves in Game 4. And then from there... I think that you have to bring back one of your guys on short rest because I have absolutely no idea who'd be able to start game five. Yeah, I think the Dodgers do come back and make it a series, but do they win four out of six? That's the question. And that's really tough to ask. I think that they can win maybe two out of the next three games, and then they'll be down three games to two, and the pressure will be on, and we'll see what the Braves do to counter with their pitching in game six, who's going to go on short rest. The Braves lineup. For everything that people say about the Dodgers and the offense and the names, the Braves were the best offense in Major League Baseball this year. Braves hit a lot of home runs. Braves were the best first five scoring team in baseball this year. They have two legit National League MVP candidates in Marcelo Zuna and Freddie Freeman. 
This is a very talented lineup. And I don't think people are giving them enough credit. Even after they won games one and two, people still say, ah, but the Dodgers will come back and win this series. I'm not so sure that people should be counting out the Atlanta Braves. Like I said, this is in it. They're pitching. Of course, they have a disadvantage, but this is a very, very talented offensive roster, second only to the Dodgers in home runs, like I mentioned, first in RBIs, first in hits. I think the Braves can 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 finish this thing out. And if Freddie Freeman and Marcel Ozuna finish one two in the NL MVP voting, guess who's not gonna be arguing? Myself, because they have been that good. And speaking of someone that is really good, that'd be you, Scott. You do an absolutely terrific job with a pair of podcasts to get you guys all psyched up for the college football and NFL slates every single week. I know that you just do a little bit of freelancing right now. You're a man that you'll sometimes just appear on a radio near you at just some very random times. I know you do a great job of keeping yourself occupied. So let the good people at home know where they're able to follow you on social media, just what you're all working on in general. Absolutely. You can follow along at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R on Twitter. Heavy into college football and the NFL right now with uh, the Football Film Room podcast and the Football Betting Show, which gives you all my picks for college football and the NFL. I tweet out the college football Saturday card every Saturday, and we're still locked in on the Major League Baseball postseason for a postseason play of the day, which may or may not be the Tampa Bay Rays coming up here on Wednesday, like we mentioned, Greg. But yeah, always available uh, on Twitter at Scott's on there. That's where I post every single one of my appearances and everything that I'm doing. So you can stay on board there. And Scott does absolutely terrific work. So big thanks for joining me right here on the Baseball Bang Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time they give you a sign total on both the ALCS and NLCS game for Wednesday and something you like to call Touch Em All. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. A special thanks to our good buddy Scott Seidenberg doing a great job with the Believe Podcast Network, pumping out a bunch of podcasts for them. He does just a wide variety of radio show hosting as well, so always good to get him aboard this podcast. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign total on both games on the Wednesday MLB betting board and something I like to call... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at Jaren's41. <laughs> After today, we might have only one game on the betting board from here on out until the end of the season. That's going to be dependent on the first game that's going to be coming up. And as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays, much like we saw with the LA Dodgers scratch and Clayton Kershaw, going to be up on my Twitter feed at Jaren's41. And we begin in Las Vegas rotation or with Ironically enough, the late game, 971-972 on the betting board, as it is the Houston Astros playing against the Tampa Bay Rays out there in lovely San Diego. And it is going to be Tyler Glasnow going for the Tampa Bay Rays. Zach Greinke on the bump for the Houston Astros. Your total on this game is 8. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and even. If you're taking a look at the Rays, you're going to be finding them ticking up a little bit. Anywhere between minus 137 and minus 145. Your plus price here with the Houston Astros is anywhere between plus 125 and as high as a plus 132. And was that cranky? I mentioned it with Scott Seidenberg. This is a guy that he just has not been able to find it. He had one good postseason start against the Minnesota Twins. You could tell that he did not look comfortable in his last start against the Oakland A's. A lot of people were saying that he was telling the Oakland A's exactly what pitches he was throwing. That's actually the set of signs that he was going off of, but it certainly 
was something in which the Oakland A's were able to pick up on. This is a guy in Granky that has not given up a lot of home runs. He's given up right around one home run per nine innings between the regular and postseason. He's just given up a lot of contact in general. That has been a massive issue for him as he's given up nearly nine hits per nine innings. And the command and swing and miss stuff both have not been there in the postseason as they were during the regular season. He's got four walks and five punch outs over the course of eight and two thirds innings in his two postseason starts. Meanwhile, during the regular season, he was 67 strikeouts in 67 innings, so approximately nine right there. And then he only gave out nine walks as well. So you can tell that he seems to be fading a little bit. Keep in mind, he's 36 years old, so there is that. And for Tyler Glass, so between the regular and postseason, he has gotten over 14 strikeouts per nine innings. Now, he did have a little bit of a rough start in the start in which he actually went deep against the New York Yankees. We're going to sort of throw out the start that he made in Game 5 of which he went to in the third innings. He was sort of a pseudo-opener in that one. In that start against the New York Yankees, he did wind up walking three, and in five innings, he did wind up giving up four runs. And for that matter, in starts in which he's went five-plus innings in his last four, he has given up a combined seven home runs, so he has given up some barn contact. And even between the regular season and postseason, this is someone that has been issuing quite a few walks. Obviously, That'll happen when you get a bunch of swings and misses, but he's got a combined 28 walks over the course of his 70 and two-thirds innings, so that is something that you want to note that is regular season and postseason combined. And with the Houston Astros, this is a bullpen that they just are seemingly running out of gas. Enoli Paredes, who wound up having a terrific series against the Oakland A's. He's likely going to be unavailable after he wound up giving up three runs in the game yesterday. Andre Scrub has a sub-2 ERA for the year, but I mean, I said it with Scott as well. This is a guy that's giving up over seven walks per nine innings. You got to feel like the bottom's going to fall out there. Now, if there is a big situation, I do expect Christian Javier to perhaps be coming out of the bullpen, and this is someone that, in long relief during the postseason, he's actually been very good. He's went a combined six and a third innings, has not given up a single run, and during the regular season, he had right around a 3.48 ERA as a starter, so he's someone that you're going to be able to rely upon, but the Astros are certainly up against it. I don't have any faith here in Zach Cranky For the Tampa Bay Rays, I don't think that they're going to be able to keep up this train rate as well. I mean, for the Houston Astros, a strand 31 men on base in three games and only come away with five runs. That's just absolutely ridiculous. You can say what you want about the trash cans. You can say what you want about karma and everything like that. That's absolutely ridiculous. I don't care if you love the Houston Astros. I don't care if you hate the Houston Astros. But with that said, with the Tampa Bay Rays, what we know about this team is that they do a great job with matchups as well. Mike Zanino, a guy that was not doing anything during the regular season, he had a buck 47. He's hitting a 333 in the series, and for the postseason, he's been very effective. Randy Arozorena just keeps it going. He winds up having a 3 8 game yesterday. This is someone that has four home runs over these last two series. Mark Brasso has not gotten a hit after he wound up being the hero in game five. But Yandy Diaz has been able to step up and get on base for this team. I mean, if it's not one guy, it's another. And for the Houston Astros, this is a bunch of, they've got their bats going. I mean, Michael Brantley and Jose Altuve both wound up going yard for this team on Tuesday. Both of these guys hitting above a 300 for the series. Aledmiz Diaz has been able to come up with some hits along with Josh Reddick. But then you've got your guys like Martin Maldonado. Kyle Tucker and company that they're just coming up a little bit snake guys for Carlos Correa this is someone that during the postseason had six home runs after he had five during the regular season you gotta feel like the Houston Astros are gonna be able to generate some runs I just have some massive questions when it comes to this bullpen the under has really been hitting in this series because the Rays bullpen has been so dominant but I do think that the over is worth a look because if the Houston Astros continue what they're doing and that's putting the ball in play they were dead last when it comes to strikeouts in the major leagues during the 
the regular season. By that, I mean they only had 7.4-ish strikeouts per game. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays, they were number one when it comes to most strikeouts per game. They struck out a little bit more than 10 times at the plate during the regular season. You got to feel like there's going to be a little bit of regression there. But with that said, with Zach Cranky, he's just not what he once was. I think that the Rays themselves are going to have the ability to perhaps put up a touchdown in this game. So I'm going to be going with this little over, and I'm going with the Rays to be able to close out this series on the money line. And we've got 973-974, the other game that is going to be coming up for Wednesday. Atlanta Braves playing against the LA Dodgers out there in the state of Texas, as it is going to be Kyle Wright going for the Bravos. Meanwhile, Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers. If you're looking at the Dodgers, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Bravos is anywhere between plus 155 and plus 165. Total on this game, 9.5. Over and under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I'm going to be taking a look at an under in this spot. You've got the two best bullpens out there in the big leagues. Prior to yesterday, the Atlanta Braves bullpen had been lights out, but you take a look at who is giving up the runs for the Atlanta Braves to Scott Seidenberg's point. It's not necessarily your more trustworthy guy. Shane Green has not really been used in this series. He's a guy that the Atlanta Braves are going to be able to look to for a little bit of relief. Jacob Webb has been very good for this bunch as well. And then you've got guys that if you need to go to a long reliever like Oscar Yanoa, I have a little bit of faith than him as Kyle Wright has really been able to turn over a new leaf. This guy was absolutely terrible at the first half of the year, but you take a look at what he's been able to do over his last three starts. He has given up a combined two runs and went six plus innings in every last one of them. Now the walks have been sort of hit or miss. He wound up having three walks in his last start of the regular season, but against the Miami Marlins he did a great job of being able to get out of a bases loaded jam in the third inning. That really set the tone for that game for the Atlanta Braves. They've got three guys that during the regular season at a 315 or higher as well. Marcelo's Ozuna, Freddie Freeman, along Travis Arno with Ozuna and Freddie Freeman. Both of these guys were towards the top of the league when it comes to home runs and also RBI. And then with the LA Dodgers, we saw them being able to emerge with their bats in game two as well. You've got a guy in Max Muncy that seems to be starting to find it. I think that, that home run is going to jumpstart him. Cody Bellinger, he has been cold in this series, but towards the end of the regular season, he was heating up. Will Smith only getting a buck 11 after he just absolutely terrorized the San Diego Padres in game three of that series. But what has been very encouraging for the Dodgers is Jock Peterson, who's been just in a season-long funk. He's been able to get going. Corey Seager was able to get a home run as well, and we all know that Mookie Best is not going to continue to hit a buck 43 for the series, but for the Braves as well, Ozzie Albies. Him being fully healthy is big because in the two games thus far, 556 batting average. He had a huge home run that wound up being incredibly significant for this team as it was really the insurance run as the Dodgers made their run in the ninth inning. And then you've got Christian Patchy. What is interesting about him is that he's coming in for Adam Duvall who went down with an injury. Patchy was one of the top prospects in the Atlanta Braves organization in 2020. He ripped a big double for this team in the middle part of this game. It was the one that just went by Justin Turner down for what? Someone else that's also doing a very good job for the LA Dodgers, but you take a look at the Dodgers as well. What they all use out of the bullpen, not necessarily your more trustworthy guys. You're going to certainly have to sweat out Kenley Jansen if you do have a save opportunity, but with that said, also out there in the bullpen, you are going to have someone in Dustin May that's going to be able to give this team multiple innings. He's sort of in that Kenta Maeda role. Victor 
Gonzalez has actually been doing a solid job for this team. Brasuter Gratterall did not wind up getting used up on Tuesday as well. You're going to have Blake Tryon, so you still have some trustworthy guys out there, and even someone like a Joe Kelly who didn't wind up throwing a lot of pitches, he's going to be available in this spot. I do think that the Dodgers are going to be able to prevail, and with the Dodgers of their 48 wins so far this year, 40 have come by two plus runs. I do think that they're going to be able to get to right in this spot. I don't think that Wright is as good as his last three starts. I certainly don't think that he's a guy that wound up having an 805 ERA through his first five starts of the season, and I don't think that his walk rate is going to be one per inning in this spot or anything like that, but I do like Julio Arias as well. This is someone that was the bulk guy for the LA Dodgers when they wound up closing out against the San Diego Padres. You take a look at Arias for this season. He's someone that I do have quite a bit of faith in because he doesn't necessarily have that swing and miss stuff. He was getting right around seven and a half to eight punch outs per nine innings, but what he does a very good job of is not giving up the home run ball. He has given up a combined five home runs between regular season and postseason, 63 total innings. He also has walked 19 in that span as well, so he does a very good job there. You take a look at his last five appearances. I say appearances because he's been a bulk guy in quite a few of them. He has given up a combined five runs while being able to go a grand total of 25 and two-thirds innings, and in that time span as well, over his last four appearances, just three walks. So I think that he's going to be able to do a good job of keeping the ball in the yard here against the Atlanta Braves. I'm going to be going with this total under. I just think that it's a little bit of a lack of respect here for Julio Arias. I think that Kyle Wright is going to be more towards league average. I think that the Atlanta Braves bullpen is going to be solid, but it's going to be a little bit too late. And I'm going to be going with the run line here of the LA Dodgers as I'm seeing it right now. Seeing it mostly between minus 105 and minus 115. So that'll wrap it up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Wednesday. Big thanks to Scott Seidenberg of the Believe Podcast Network for joining me in the last segment. And if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you have a very big question for the podcast, feel free to fire that into my Twitter timeline, at Jaren's 41. Hope you're all safe, healthy, and doing well, and I'll come at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.